0: welcome to the bible questions podcast brought to you by biblequestions.org and the holly street church of christ this podcast is dedicated to answering your bible questions from the bible my name is brian and along with jeff we are the hosts of this program welcome to today's bible questions podcast my name is jeff
1: and i'm one of your co-hosts and joining me today as usual we have brian our other co-host brian how you doing Hey, doing well, Jeff. Really look forward to tonight's study. Me too. So tonight's study is kind of a, a continuation of an ongoing, kind of like, almost like a mini series uh, that we've been doing for several episodes now, where we're going uh, in depth into Second Peter, the first chapter, uh, primarily verses three through eleven and focusing on a number of attributes that faithful Christians you know, need to develop, you know, as they um, progress in their, you know, journey uh, of, you know, spiritual growth. Uh, with us today is our uh, special guest, uh, Alan Hitchin, our preacher who has been uh, spearheading our discussions. Alan, how are you doing today? Doing
2: well, Jeff, and looking forward to the study just like you guys are. Excellent. Uh, so as we kind of get
1: started, I mean, first of all, we would uh, strongly encourage our listeners to go back to the previous uh, editions of our podcast that are looking at uh, the, a number of, you know, different terms and the overall context. Uh, but tonight, Alan, could you maybe just summarize the uh, the last day that we had? And depending on our listeners' translation, uh, the, the word we were kind of focusing on was sometimes translated endurance, Patience, or
2: steadfastness,
1: or steadfastness. Right.
2: Yeah. As uh, as listeners are probably aware, we are in the middle of a series of words that Peter has asked us to add to our faith, and last week's was uh, number four out of the seven that he's asked us to add, and it really flows seamlessly with the first view. Uh, virtue means I want to be the best I can be. Uh, knowledge means I'm gaining the information I need so that I can become the best that I would like to be. And then self-control is what moves me into taking the ability and making myself become what I want to be, which is the best I can be and what God has revealed the best I can be, and so I need the self-control. And then the word we talked about last week is endurance, which means when i'm weary or tired or frustrated or depressed or crushed or saddened i'm still going to keep going nothing is going to keep me from my goal of becoming the best that i can be and learning everything god wants me to do and of course satan as as he discussed job with god he felt that uh, god if excuse me if man loses his motivation, and he finds himself in a situation where there is no seemingly no benefits to serving God, will that person keep going? And that's what James talked about when he said, you've heard the perseverance of Job. Job didn't need anything but his love and devotion to God. He didn't need uh, financial incentives. He didn't need health. He didn't need any of the blessings that some people really feel like they need to have if they're going to be faithful servants of God. So learning how to keep serving God and wanting to serve God uh, when maybe there's no reason to do so. Persecutions have come and maybe we've lost our health and life has just turned very bleak, but that doesn't matter. We're going to remain faithful to God regardless of whatever is going on around us because we're devoted to God which kind of leads us into the next quality that we're going to talk about tonight, and that really is devotion to God.
0: So, Alan, up to this point, all the words we have studied, which are virtue, knowledge, self-control, and endurance, as you just mentioned, have application in this life and in our spiritual life. Since godliness is obviously focused on God, can we find any overlap in this world?
2: Well, this is where we start to lose contact with this world. This is something that comes from the spiritual realm. And this word's very different than the other four that we've looked at so far. As a matter of fact, it doesn't have a meaning except in the scriptures, because this is a quality that uh, God has revealed to us as something that is a vital part of our relationship with Him, and we're going to look at love later, and we're going to look at uh, various emotional qualities. But godliness is a combination of a lot of things, and it's it's really difficult. It's going to take us a little while in this class to kind of build a working concept of what godliness is. So, just real quickly, godliness is essentially devotion to God. We're devoted to Him. We love him. We trust him. We feel a great need for him. And we'll look at some scriptures here in a few moments where various Bible characters have expressed that. It's a, it's a characteristic that keeps God in my thoughts all the time. It's something that I know God is watching me. I know, and I'm glad He's watching me, and I know that my actions can please Him or they can grieve Him. And so I'm very cautious and very careful about my thoughts and my words and my actions, because as I gain more godliness, my uh, my realization that what I do has a has an effect on God becomes a motivation an extra motivation. It's an emotional commitment that forces us to always want to be pleasing to him and forcing us to always want to be doing those things that uh, he wants us to be doing. Uh, Scriptures talk about it as piety and reverence and godliness and holiness. Those are the, the basic synonyms of the term. But I think if we just summarize the whole concept of godliness and and we'll be looking at definitions here in a moment. I'm just trying to give everybody an overview of what godliness is. It is it is an attitude that moves us toward the heavenly realm. Uh, Paul talked about the things that are seen and the things that are not seen in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And he said the things that are not seen are eternal. Well, godliness opens the vista. Godliness is what leads us to being able to see the unseen. It is a, It is a a characteristic again that only comes from the Scripture. It's it's something that we can only find by studying and deeply uh, looking at our own heart and our relationship to God, and uh, and and working toward learning and understanding what godliness actually is.
1: So, as we begin to kind of unpack this concept, are there any scriptures that you would offer up? You know, perhaps it might be more foundational uh, that we can kind of use to build this concept on top of.
2: Excellent question, and I think that's uh, over the years of studying this particular concept. Because again, you, you, you try to find a way to help people understand and help yourself understand. And so I think there's three scriptures through the years that I've I've finally kind of centered on, and I try to use most of the time when I talk about this subject. Uh, The first one is found in the 42nd Psalm, uh, verses 1 and 2. Brian, could you read that for us, please?
0: Yes, here it says, As the deer pants for the water, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God?
2: This is a real good verse for the foundation of godliness, as the deer pants for the water. So a deer is out in the wilderness, it's hot, and he's seeking water. It fills his mind. Of course, that's the thing about thirst. The more thirst you have, the more it completely takes over what you're thinking. And so this writer tells us, my soul is panting for you, like a deer pants for water. And so there's a visceral or a, an emotional connection here. Uh, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. So there's a, a yearning. In godliness, there's a yearning. There is a, a realization that until I can come and appear before God, uh, I'm not complete. And all of my goals and all of my life that I that I'm focused on, in, in order to get to heaven, in order to be pleasing to my God, it all kind of laser focuses here. It just focuses on this concept of a longing, of a of a need, of a desire, of a of a yearning. And then the next verse that uh, captures this is found in another psalm and that's psalm 63 verses 1 through 4 and so jeff if you'd like to read that for us this evening I'd appreciate it
1: sure O oh god you are my god early will i seek you my soul thirsts for you my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water so i have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus, I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name.
2: And so once again, I believe that this is, if we could just boil down everything that we know about godliness and condense it into one small uh, section of scripture, this one would be it. Uh, You are my God. Early will I seek you. Early in the day, early in my life, early in my priorities. God comes first. So with godliness, we recognize that God is my God. I have made him my God. And I trust him and I serve him and I reverence him and I glorify him. And so once again, uh, as we saw in the previous psalm, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. Now, if, as we're reading this, our, our listeners can say, I know exactly what he's saying, then you have already moved very close and probably already are within what godliness is, is, is all about. It is, again, bringing God into our life. I, I, when, we, when we first obey the gospel, many of us obey out of fear because we're afraid of, of what sin can cost us. And so our service to God is more coming from fear. But John tells us in 1 John that perfect love will cast out that fear. And instead of fear, and really instead of reward, other people obey the gospel because there's a reward to it. They want to go to heaven. They want to have eternal life. But a time comes if a person is godly when it's not just fear, and it's not just reward, it's love, it's devotion, it's appreciation. God has done so much for us. He created us. He gave us this beautiful creation that we could enjoy. He gave us his son. He has given us precious promises. And that requires a devotion and appreciation and respect. And, and that's what this, this writer is expressing in this song. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land. Uh, verse 2, I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. So, of course, the sanctuary in the Old Testament was the temple in Jerusalem. In the New Testament, it's the Lord's church. And we look for God. And part of this is what Jesus described in John chapter 4, and that is those who worship God must worship in spirit and in truth. And so, as a as a godly, devout Christian, uh, we are looking for God where he is. We are looking for God in the Lord's church, which Jesus died and purchased with his blood, Acts 20, and verse 28. It is the most precious thing. God, It's part of God's eternal purpose. And we look for him there. And we are with him there. And verse 3, because your loving kindness is better, than life. So it's the loving kindness of God that really gives a fulfillment. We'll see in a few minutes in in, uh, one of the passages in Timothy where Paul tells us that some people reach after and seek for the love of money. But he contrasts that with godliness. And he says godliness is far better than any other quality you could get in this life if you want contentment, if you want true contentment and true joy. So, uh, and then verse 4, thus I will bless you while I live, and I will lift up my hands in your name. Now, rather than talking about verse 4, let's look at another passage which really elaborates on verse 4, and that's Psalms 103 verses 1 through 5. So, Jeff, would you kind of read that for us, please? Sure.
1: Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles.
2: Once again, we, we see the that the basic uh, fundamentals of godliness are found in an emotional connection with God. Uh, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Now again, if my heart can make melody with this then I've done it. If you've done this, if you have uh, holding that newborn infant in your hands and just having your heart lifted up and just praising and glorifying God for something so amazing in a, in a beautiful sunset or a beautiful sunrise or any other thing that truly touches us, some event that happens that truly touches us. And godliness will force me to share that with God. In other words, I can be grateful and I can be thankful for something, but a godly person recognizes the source is God. And so all that is in with within me, when I become truly godly, my soul will bless the Lord. There will just be a continuous stream of appreciation and gratitude and thanksgiving for what God has done. And then in verse two, forget not all His benefits. Taking things for granted is, is one of the clearest signs that we don't have godliness. If, Uh, For example, in 1 Timothy Timothy 4, Paul talks about sanctifying our food with our prayers. And so, when we eat, we are partaking of the benefits of what God has created for us. If we don't give thanks, if we do not appreciate that this food came from God, then our godliness is something that is still lacking. Uh, Then he just starts in in verse 3, Who forgives all your sins? Who heals all your illnesses, who redeems your life from destruction and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfies your soul with good things? And of course, the answer every time is God. God did this. God is our is the source of every blessing. He is the source of all the good that is in our lives. He is as James says, every good and every perfect gift is coming from him. And so my response to the creation, the glory of the creation, my response to his involvement in my life, my response to his blessings and and the greatness of his character. Uh, it, It all comes down to this concept of godliness. So these are the foundational principles upon which godliness is going to come. A gratitude and appreciation for all that we have and a realization of his power and glory and, and majesty. And, uh, and simply, as we read in Genesis chapter 1, we were created in his image and after his likeness. He is, he is the source of everything. And as we know as Christians, uh, we're not doing this to go to heaven. We're not doing this to go so that we don't have to go to hell. We are doing this because we are truly and, and completely respecting and honoring and glorifying and recognizing that this is the right thing to do. and God deserves my service, even if there were no hell, even if there were no heaven, I'm going to serve God because He deserves to be served. He is, he's, he is the source of everything. He is the hub of everything. So that's kind of where we're going to be uh, where we're going to be going in this study.
0: Yeah, I appreciate
2: Alan. You mentioning, you know, kind of
0: the emotional elements here. You know, I was thinking as we were looking at some of these passages, like in Psalm forty-two. You know, how as like a deer pants for the water, and how our soul thirsts for God. There, and then also Psalm sixty-three. You know, there's there's sort of a not just a longing, but there's there's an emotional element to this as well. And so can you help those who are listening to take all these emotions and these attitudes that we're discussing and give a good working definition of godliness?
2: Yes, I think that would be that would be an excellent way for us to to continue on in this study. Uh, Godliness is a word that in the original language uh, has a very different concept than what we would normally think. You know, when you see the word godliness, you you think about goodliness, and goodliness means that I am striving to be good, and so godliness. Well, what does godliness mean? uh, As we as we look at that concept, well, in the Greek language, it's it's a compound word, and I won't bother you with the actual word itself. But the first part of the word means good or well or honorable or Successful. It means something that's good and and successful. And then the second part of the word is reverence. So, literally, it is good reverence or wonderful reverence or uh, successful reverence. And uh, perhaps the best way of looking at it is the term sacred awe. Sacred awe, of course, referring to uh, God's majesty, His power, His wisdom, His amazing. Uh, eternity, everything that we learn. The more we learn about God, the higher our awe and our reverence and our respect is, is going to go. And so the energy which directed by holy awe finds expression in devoted activity. So this man who blesses the Lord and this man who early will I seek you he's going to be a man who starts his day with prayer starts his day with praise and adoration and and praise without ceasing and his life revolves around God he gets up in the morning God is his first thought he goes to bed at night God is his last thought throughout the day he thanks God for his food he prays to God for his sins and asks for forgiveness he Asks for wisdom when he finds himself in difficult situations, Uh, God becomes the central focus. And not simply the central focus, but the holy awe, reverence, and respect. And so it means to be devout. It means that I have a Godward attitude. In other words, with every interaction with every person throughout the day, I'm uh, my my heart is aware God is with us. And because God is with us, I'm going to be careful what I say. I'm going to be careful how i my demeanor. I'm going to be humble and reverent, respectful <clears throat> because god is 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 involved in this. And so it is a a piety. And of course, these are all words we don't really use in a, in in any other, any other way in our personal life. I don't talk about godliness in my workplace or godliness in my uh, recreational activities. Now, I would do that with virtue and with knowledge and with self-control and with patience. They they kind of cross all boundaries because we use them in every realm of life, but godliness is a little different. It's a spiritual quality and it's something that uh, we develop over the years, as I said, by becoming more aware, more keenly aware of what God has has done for us. Uh, He made that sun that we enjoy. He made the air that we breathe. He made the water that we drink. He made our food. He made our body. He gave us all of our gifts and abilities. And as we grow to become more and more aware of how indebted we are to him, how greatly blessed we are to him, then these basic concepts of sacred awe and reverence and uh, a, an attitude, an inward attitude or a Godward attitude, in which he's, he's just in our minds all the time. We never forget. We never forget that he exists. We never forget that he's watching. We never forget that our, that our actions and our uh, thoughts can hurt him or please him. And so we're always focusing on that that's that's really uh what godliness consists of
1: so given the if i could say the intensity of this focus and and the long duration in some ways that can be kind of a challenge do you happen to have any scriptures that would potentially advise us how we you know go about adding that kind of intense emotion and attitude and behavior to the things we've studied you know previously like our patience and self-control and knowledge and virtue and faith?
2: Yeah, there are some excellent verses that Paul wrote to Timothy. So if we if we go over to First Timothy, and we're just going to abbreviate, but if you read chapter 4 through chapter 6, you see the word godliness repeated again and again and again. But we just want to focus on a couple of these verses. So Brian, would you like to read First Timothy 4, 7, and 8 for us?
0: Uh, yes, uh, here it says, And exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come.
2: There's a lot in this verse. There is an incredible amount of information in this passage. First of all, like Peter, Peter says, add to your faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly, kindness, and love. Paul uses a more a term that we understand very well, and that's exercise. And we could even go back to, you remember when we were talking about self-control, we read that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, where Paul says that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize. Therefore, you need to put forth effort, exercise self-control in all things so that you can win. Well, here's the word exercise again. It's interesting, this is the, the Greek word from which our word gym comes from, gymnasium. As that's actually the Greek word here. And so in a gymnasium, you have all kinds of uh, exercise machines and various ways to exercise your arms, your legs, your cardiovascular uh, If you're swimming, there's certain exercises you need to do. If you're running, there's different exercises. If you're a weightlifter, there's different exercises. And so this term captures all sorts of things that would be useful toward godliness. And so you think about it. What are the things in my personal life that would be helpful to me to help me to become more godly and more thinking about some of these things. And of course, you 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 would excuse me, some of those answers would be uh, praying and giving thanks, uh, giving thanks and everything, give thanks. Be thankful. This is the will of god and and reading our Bibles and worshiping on the first day of the week. and and uh, these are all exercises. So, as a Christian, I recognize, and we all must recognize, the tremendous need to exercise ourselves to this godliness. And so, uh, and then he he makes the application, bodily exercise profits a little. And we all understand that. When we are young, we utilize exercise to lose weight. We utilize exercise to uh, become proficient in whatever our hobbies are, or whatever our plans are toward the future. But we all understand that it's it's only profitable in a small way. But Paul says godliness is profitable for everything. Godliness will make this life better, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So this Godward attitude, this sacred awe, is going to be profitable. It's going to add tremendous excuse me, tremendous blessings and benefits to the life of the person who adds them. And so as we as we think about this and we ponder this, we go back through the Old Testament and we see how profitable it was for different men. For example, Enoch walked with God. Well, the prophet was God took him. His godliness that led to a close walk with God led God to say, I want you to be with me. And the same thing was true of Abraham. Abraham's walk with God led God to call him out of Ur, and so godliness is profitable as you go through the entire Old Testament and New Testament and you look at the various people and the wonderful things that they did and the one thing that they had on top of their faith was this sacred awe and this devotion to God and it was profitable it made their lives more successful here and now and it also added the tremendous and wonderful blessing of eternal life. And so, as Paul continues talking about this, and we'll look at this a little more in detail later on in our study, but we just want to kind of summarize right now, so, Jeff, would you like to read 1 Timothy 6, verses uh, 6 and 7?
1: Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out.
2: It's interesting in the context here that he compares godliness uh, and contentment to the fact that in the spirit, in, in the material realm, we came into this world, just like Job said, I came in naked and I'm going to leave naked. Now, Paul puts it a little differently. We brought nothing into this world. Uh, we came into this world as an infant child with nothing. And when we die, we will be leaving with nothing. So, what's his point here? Well, if we have godliness, we're going to be leaving with riches. We're going to be leaving with everything we need so that when we stand before God, God will say, you truly respected me, you honored me, you showed me your devotion and your appreciation for me and your faith has truly uh, glorified and honored me, and that's the greatest gain that we could ever have. So, while some people are looking for money, some people are looking for fame or power or success or or other activities, the Christian is looking for godliness. Godliness is, it. it is profitable for all things. It is great gain it enhances everything in this life, makes everything in this life better. The more you respect God, God, the more awe and reverence you give to God, the better your life is going to unfold. The fewer mistakes you're going to make, the fewer problems you're going to bring on yourselves, the, the fewer regrets you're going to have, the greater the potential that you're going to have in this life. Godliness is profitable for everything. So we go back to, well, what is godliness? Well, godliness is, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and never forget all of his benefits. And godliness is, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. And... And godliness is that I want to be in your presence and, and I'm devoted to you. And I, I have this sacred awe and this appreciation and this realization that you're behind everything, you have created everything, and you are the reason for everything. It's kind of like Paul said in at the at the end of his doctrinal treatise in Romans chapter chapters one through eleven. At the very end, he speaks about the wisdom of God and how great God is. And then he says, for of him and through him and unto him are all things. Of him being the source, through him being the means, and unto him being the purpose. Everything revolves around God. And until we, we reach this godly state where we understand this, uh, we're going to really be struggling. Because godliness changes responsibility and duty and obligation into a joyous thing. Uh, it's just like a father who comes home, he wants the child to wash the car, he wants the child to mow the lawn, but in instead of just telling him to do it, he tells him, if you mow the lawn today, then I'm going to give you an allowance and we're going to go out for an ice cream And and it's going to be real beneficial to you. And, and, and so what happens to that responsibility? Well, it turns into something exciting. It turns into something joyous because there's a benefit to it. And so the godliness will do that. Godliness will take all the difficult things of Christianity and lead us to where we don't really even need perseverance anymore. Because godliness will lead us to not having to keep going when we don't want to go. We will always want to go the next step. And that's what, that's what godliness can do for us.
0: So it sounds like
2: when we look at
0: godliness and, and how it's really kind of a compound word in that respect, right? There's a blending of a lot of different qualities uh, that the scriptures have revealed to us. Uh, is that Do you agree with that?
2: Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And and that's why uh, I mentioned earlier that with the first words that we looked at, the virtue, the knowledge of self-control, and the perseverance, we we are just really building on what we already do with them. We already have these things in our personal life. We just have to take them and we have to apply them to God. Godliness is very different. Uh, godliness is, is a perfect blending of, of gratitude. First of all, we have gratitude, just the, the thanksgiving the sheer uh, appreciation and uh, honor that we feel toward God because of everything he's done for us and then there's the fear and the reverence which are are the the things that we develop over time we we realize God created this universe and every awesome thing in this universe is an example of his power and his his uh, ability and and we need to respect him and fear him and and of course then there's the love just the 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 love learning how to love god is much more difficult than than people realize because as i said earlier there's such a fear there's such a, a a concern and and that's why john says perfect love will will cast out that fear so when we reach a point where we truly feel devoted and loving toward god then our relationship with him is going to change into something that is much deeper and much more holy and pure and and honoring than anything that we can do without it. And so it's a combination of devotion and trust. It's a combination of honor and submission. It's a combination of worship. So we blend all that together. Gratitude, fear, reverence, love, devotion, trust, honor, submission, and worship. And when you throw all of those ingredients into your boiling water, and you boil it all down until it's in one substance. And what do you have then? That's when you have this godliness, this devotion, this, this awe and reverence and respect and love toward God.
1: Now earlier you mentioned about exercising ourselves you know to become more godly. Um do you have, have any scriptures that would give us some uh, additional you know insight or or guidance almost like a uh, next level down or or how to do that?
2: Sure. Yeah, in 2nd Peter chapter 3, now realize we were in 2nd Peter chapter 1. But in 2nd Peter chapter 3, Peter talks about the coming of the day of the Lord starting in verse 8 and he talks about the fact that The day of the Lord is going to come and the earth is going to be burned up and the heavens are going to dissolve in fervent heat and everything is going to be removed. And then he makes an interesting application and uh, we could see it in 10 through 12, but this is just, uh, I believe, verse 10. So, uh, Brian, would you like to read that for us, please?
0: Yes, here he says, Since all these things will be dissolved... What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness?
2: Okay, so here's what Peter says. Peter says, you are focused, and we all are. We all are. Before we become a Christian, it's our total focus. And then after we become a Christian, it becomes less and less of our focus. And then Peter here, he brings us face to face with a reality that is very sobering. And that is all of the effort that I put forth in this life for my job, my home, my my hobbies, uh, all the physical things in this life that maybe I think are so important. One day they will be dissolved. They will all be removed. The earth is going to be burned up. And so what does Peter say? What's your real focus then? What manner of persons should you be in holy conduct and godliness? Now here's that same word. Peter has come back to this word. In the first chapter, he introduces it. And now, as he moves toward the end of the book, he introduces it again. And this godliness is something that comes when we realize that God is really all there is. This material creation is very temporary. That's what Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter 4. He says that the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. And so, as I realize that God is the beginning and the end, that God is the central focus of the entire creation, and it is by his will that they were created, and it is by his will that they will be dissolved. And so what should my relationship be then to this creator? And the answer is godliness. That godliness is something that we can all recognize is one of the greatest qualities that we can have. It will be with us when this life is over, and it will bring us into the presence of God in a good relationship, a favorable relationship. And the second element of this, as we as we talk about... Uh, how we will exercise ourselves is the realization that we didn't bring anything in and we can't carry anything out as we just saw in first timothy chapter 6 well what's the difference i can't carry anything in and i can't carry anything out and all these things are going to be dissolved the point is that if i really want to be a godly person i have to recognize the transient temporary nature of this creation and I have to quit being focused on it. You know, Jesus talked about this in, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6, and he has, after pointing out that food, clothing, and shelter are all things that are provided by God, he then draws the conclusion in Matthew 6 where he says, uh, Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all the rest of these things will be taken care of. They'll all be added to you but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Well, there's a good working definition again, or a good working understanding of what godliness will produce. Godliness leads me to seeking his kingdom first, seeking his righteousness first. Why? Because all these things are gonna be dissolved and we didn't bring anything in and we can't bring anything out. There's only one thing that can carry us out of this world in a good way And that's godliness, because as I said earlier, godliness is the complete uh, essence of righteousness and holiness and purity and reverence and respect and worship and devotion. And we just boil it all down into a clear relationship with God. And so that's... uh, one of the uh, critical elements. And there's one more verse that I I would like to look at. And so, Jeff, would you like to read Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12?
1: Okay. For the grace of God hath appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to the intent that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world.
2: Okay. so. Here we have an interesting comparison between ungodliness and godliness. Well, what exactly are the ungodly? Well, the ungodly are people who don't have God in their mind. They don't have any sacred awe. They don't appreciate all of his benefits. They don't don't, uh, pant after him or focus on his responses to their actions. These are people who could care less about God. As a matter of fact, some of them actually hate God. And so we have to deny that. We have to deny anything that leads us toward a lack of appreciation, a lack of respect, a lack of honor, and a lack of devotion to God. And you see the category, ungodliness and worldly lusts are joined together, because they are. Uh, You remember in, in 1 John chapter 2, where... Where John said, Love not the world or the things that are in the world, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world is passing away with its lusts. But he who does the will of God will abide forever. So here again we see the same exact concept as Peter described with these things are going to be dissolved, and Paul described when he spoke of the need to realize that we didn't bring anything in and we're not gonna bring anything out. If we don't have a relationship with God, our ultimate end is going to be uh, a real catastrophe. And it's gonna be such a sad tragedy when when we wake up to realize that we didn't focus on God and now God can't help us. And so we wanna deny ungodliness, any lack or care of concern for God And we want to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So here's the word godliness again. And this time, once again, it's in the context of something that came from God. This time it's the grace of God, the wonderful favors and blessings that he gave to us even though we don't deserve them. And so that grace has appeared. And a lot of people like to talk about the grace grace of god and the wonderful blessing is the grace of god well here's paul's admonition the grace of god has come and it has brought salvation but the grace of god has some instructions for us in other words there's some applications that we should be learning from god's grace and the biggest application is or the intent is that we want to run away from ungodliness we don't want to live our lives out of god's presence we don't want to live our lives without our gratitude and appreciation and reverence and Sacred awe. We don't want to have a life, a worthless life, a life where we brought nothing in and there truly is nothing to take out. Now, we're not going to take anything physical out, but if we don't, uh, as Peter said, if we don't deposit our souls to a faithful Creator, if we don't do what He asks us to do in order to make a deposit regarding our souls, then there won't be anything for Him to redeem when the day of judgment comes. So we want to deny those things, and we want to develop uh, this godliness. And it's interesting, when God made the decision to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, remember, God cast them off. Back in the days of Abraham, God cast off all the other nations, which are the Gentiles, and he worked with the Jewish people, with the descendants of, of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, who became Israel. And so now God is gonna bring the Gentiles back in. Well, who's he going to choose? Who's going to be the first convert? Well, one day, God sends an angel to a man named Cornelius. Uh, Brian, would you read that for us in Acts chapter 10, verses one and two?
0: Uh, Yes, here it says, now there was a certain man in Caesarea, Cornelius by name, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, and one that feared God with all his house, who gave much alms to the people and
2: prayed to God always. Okay, so he was a devout man. Now, the same Greek word that is translated godliness in 2 Peter 1 and in 1 Timothy 6 and in Second Peter 3 is here uh, translated devout. Of course, the word devout means exactly the same thing as godliness. It means a man who has a sacred awe. It means a man who has a Godward attitude, who recognizes that God exists. He loves God. He blesses the Lord, O my soul. He pants after him like the deer. He longs to be with God and to be in God's presence. And so this is a man who, he isn't saved. He is still a Gentile. And he needs to hear the gospel. And so Peter, an angel is sent to him. And the angel tells him, your prayers and your alms have gone up as a memorial to God. And now send for Peter and Peter will give you words whereby you will be saved and all your house. And so here we have the word devout or godly. And God sees godly people. He recognizes them and he appreciates them, and he will be blessing them. And so here we have this wonderful quality that will bring us into God's view. You know, we read in the Old Testament that God, his eyes are going to and fro in all the earth, and he is testing people to see what they are made of. And when he finds a man or a woman that has any amount of devout or godliness, uh, there's a person that God is going to be working with, providence is going to be up, opened up into their lives, and God is going to be bringing people into their lives so that, just like Cornelius, they can be saved. And so this is an amazing quality. It's a quality that we should cultivate, uh, but as I say, it's a complicated quality. We, we have to go back to those psalms that we looked at earlier, and I, I hope that all of you have... Uh, have written those, those psalms down. Uh, psalms 42, verses 1 and 2, As the deer pants for the water, My soul pants for you. My soul thirsts for you. And then Psalm 63, O God, you are my God. I Early I will seek you. My th- soul thirsts for you. I have looked for you. And then the passage in Psalms 103, verses 1 through 5, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Don't forget his benefits everything that we have has come for him. These three Psalms really capture the dynamic or the energy or the force that will ultimately lead to godliness. And so as we, as we wind down our study this evening, we, we go back to 2 Peter chapter 3, where once again, he tells us in verse 10, the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief. We don't know when it's going to come, but when it comes, the heavens are going to pass away, and the elements are going to be dissolved, and the earth and the works that are in it are going to be burned up. And since these things are going to be dissolved, we should be godly. We should be godly people and This is a quality, as I say, it's something that we all have to reach for and struggle for. It comes through gratitude. It comes through fear and respect and reverence. It comes from uh, the appreciation of all the good things that God has given us. And so it is a, a combination of a lot of different things. And I hope that this brief, uh, overview has given all of us something to strive for. Remember, Peter says we have to add this. Paul says we exercise. He tells us it is it has the promise for what is now in this life and for the life to come. And so this is something for all of us to struggle and strive and ponder and consider so that we can develop it and it will be a blessing to us in every possible way.
1: Alan, we certainly appreciate your, uh, you know, time and efforts to, you know, join us and try to, you know, unpack, if you will, this very complex uh, topic, you know, for our listeners. Um, would you like to maybe give them a little preview of what's next?
2: Yes, the the final two are brotherly kindness and love. So God has a special place in His heart. I was reading in one of the Gospels when Jesus' mother and brothers are waiting outside to see him and he turns to the crowd and he says, Who is my mother and my brother and my sister but those who seek to do the will of God? And in Hebrews, he talks about all the Christians and he says he's not ashamed to call them his brethren. Well, these are the true children of God And so Peter has something he wants us to add, and that is a love and a care and a concern for those people all over the world who are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so that's what we'll be looking at next week.
1: Appreciate that and looking forward to it. Um, Brian, as we start to wrap up today's segment uh, and before I uh, vector folks
0: to our website for additional material, any other thoughts you want to add in? I'd just like to add, if those of you who are listening have not had an opportunity to listen to the rest of this series, you'll notice uh, that we have each of them listed in chronological order. So please go back and listen to the previous episodes as we build on these spiritual qualities. It's so helpful to go and listen to each one of them, and I think that you'll find them to be very beneficial.
1: Appreciate that, Brian. And for our listeners, as we said, it's a fairly complex topic, sort of like a blending of many things. uh, At our website at biblequestions.org, if you look under the topics menu item, uh, we do have an entry there under G for godliness, but it's more of a placeholder because of its complexity. Uh, Certainly you can look under H for holiness, uh, perhaps R for righteousness, T for thankfulness. Uh, perhaps even Z for zeal. So a, a large collection of different kinds of topics kind of surrounding what we would call godliness. And so certainly we would recommend you make yourself uh, or bail yourself with those resources. And so once again, appreciate you joining us today. And a
0: next time, until next time, thanks for listening to today's Bible Questions podcast. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website, biblequestions.org, where you can submit a Bible question to be answered, and you can also search archives where we have answered several hundred Bible questions over the years. Our website also has a host of free Bible study material, free correspondence courses, as well as sermons and a host of other material. Please stop by and check it out.